0: Dan Lanning is the first defensive coach that has been hired in my lifetime and probably many of yours as well for the Oregon Ducks. So what does that mean and how could football be different than it has been in recent years in Eugene? Plus, transfers are happening around the Pac-12 as well. Some of them, though they're not coming to the Ducks, they're going to other teams within the conference and they will impact the Ducks. We will get to all of that. Here we go. You are locked on Ducks. Your daily podcast on the Oregon Ducks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. Yes, it is that time once again for Locked On Ducks. Last episode of the week. Thank you for making this your first listen every single day. Remember to like and subscribe. Leave a five-star view If you have not already on Apple Podcasts or wherever you are listening, Always love seeing nice comments on there as well. Makes my day. It's your number one source to stay up to date with the Ducks every single weekday, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. So, I was talking yesterday on the show a little bit about how, you know, Dan Lanning gave a little bit of insight in an interview with John Canzano about what his philosophy would be offensively because. You know, we know he's a defensive head coach and he was just the DC and the play caller, which I hope he continues to do when he comes to Oregon to create continuity on that side of the ball with inevitable staff changes in the coming years, assuming Oregon is able to win at a high level, which I think they will be able to. But he was asking about that and he talked about how you know we want to be able to use tempo, but we don't want to be stuck there. We want to be adaptable. We want to be multiple. And I think that's a good thing. But it got me thinking about his philosophy as a head coach writ large, and how Dan Lanning being a defensive coach is really a new phenomenon for Oregon coaches. I mean, each of the ones that I remember in my lifetime, I'm not very old, Mike Bellotti, Chip Kelly, Mark Helfrich, Willie Taggart, Mario Cristobal, all different in their own ways, but all of them have a background and sort of make their money, you know, on the offensive side of the ball, Cristobal specifically on the offensive line, right? His title as offensive coordinator uh, under Willie Taggart, I think, was more of a, a signatory role. I don't think he was, you know, he, he was there to, to coach the offensive line. But anyway, having a defensive head coach is new, so I thought I would talk about, you know, what that means, right? Because it's a new head coach, but it's a new type of head coach because everyone I just listed, they were all They were all offensive guys. And it, it made me think, you know, did Oregon do that deliberately? Now, it's possible they hired a defensively oriented guy on purpose because of other hires that have taken place in the Pac-12. I mean they did ask to interview Chip Kelly, but I also heard reports. Now nothing is totally confirmed. Again, I'm not a journalist, I'm just an opinion guy. So I just tell you, you know, what what I've read, what I've seen, and then talk about it here on the show. And by the way, if you ever want a question answered here on the show, hit me up on Twitter at smalls underscore 55 or at locked on ducks, or just tweet using the hashtag ask I heard that, you know, one of the reasons they were looking to interview Chip was to please some of the alumni or boosters who were interested in having a guy like Chip Kelly or Justin Wilcox who, you know, didn't have higher aspirations than the University of Oregon, right? Because there were some people who felt that, man, maybe we really need a, an Oregon-focused guy so that we don't lose him to a Florida State or to a Miami. And I, I understand that perspective. I just don't agree that that should be the primary motivating factor when hiring a head coach. But Chip was also the only offensive guy that I heard that they were you know, seriously considering or interviewing. Because Wilcox, Kalani Satake... Dan Lanning, Sataki's the BYU coach. Wilcox, of course, at Cal, and Lanning is our our new uh, our new favorite guy. All defensive coordinators they come from that side of the ball. And there was a piece written around the time by John Canzano about how Utah kind of broke Oregon with great defense and physicality, and that's why they you know went with a change to the defensive side of the ball. And I didn't agree with that entirely because physicality is in Mario Cristobal's DNA. That, that's his calling cord, and Mario re- recruited the sorts of guys we hope Dan Lanning's going to be able to. For whatever reason, they, they just didn't show up and weren't ready for those games against Utah in any way, shape, or form, and part of that is Utah was a really good team. Kyle Whittingham is a, is a great football coach, but Hiring a defensive guy who coached the nation's top defense a season ago, one of the best in the last couple decades statistically, it is not, I think, just hiring a defensive coordinator for the sake of hiring a defensive coordinator. Though, if they were looking to go on that side of the ball exclusively, they probably got the top hire. I mean, I can't imagine. I know that Dan Lanning was in the mix for the Oklahoma job. They ultimately went with Brent Venables, who's coming from Clemson, of course, and has a history at Oklahoma. But I don't think it's a bad thing that there's all these offensive hires taking place in the conference and Dan Lanning makes his money on the defensive side of the ball. And that's what he is going to emphasize most heavily as the head coach. It does put a lot of pressure on the offensive coordinator because Lanning's involvement on that side typically is going to be minimal compared to what he will do on the defensive side of the ball. But I don't think if the reasoning behind you know making the offer to Dan Lanning and ultimately hiring him, if the reasoning was well, you know they just hired Kalen DeBoer up at uh, Washington and Lincoln Riley down at USC and Chip is down at Oregon and you know we have to have good defenses to slow these guys down. I don't think that that's an incredibly flawed philosophy. I want to keep going on on this, but first, this is it. It's the putt to win the tournament. If you sink it the championship is yours. But on your backswing, your hat falls over your eyes. It, is this how you're running your business, really, with poor visibility because you're still relying on spreadsheets and outdated finance software? To see the full picture, you need to upgrade to NetSuite by Oracle. It's the number one cloud financial system to power your growth. Over 28,000 businesses already use NetSuite. For the new year, NetSuite has a new financing program for those ready to upgrade at netsuite.com slash locked. That's netsuite.com slash locked, head there for special one-of-a-kind financing on the number one financial system for growing businesses, netsuite.com slash locked. Okay, so Lanning is a defensive guy, and we should expect, as Oregon fans, the defense is going to be better than what it was this year. It wasn't bad under Tim DeReuter, but it was not compared to the talent level that I see on this roster now there were injuries to to be a little bit fair but still with the guys that were there i I think this defense underachieved in a number of ways i just i really didn't like how many times they were playing some soft zone i think if you're going to recruit these high level players you have to do what you saw georgia do in the national championship game at some point you got to just play man to man i'm not against zone anyone who's played me in ncaa 14 knows i am not against a zone defense but at some point, when you're recruiting these high-level dudes, you, you got to trust that they can just play man-to-man, lock onto a guy, and, and make some plays. And that can be tougher for quarterbacks to play against because they don't have holes to throw into. They're relying on individual one-on-one matchups, and sometimes that forces them to make contested throws depending on you know the route concept and the scheme and all that sort of stuff. But the the defensive head coach thing might look a little bit different than what Oregon ha- has become accustomed to, you know. As I have, you know, really gotten into this world of of hosting the show and talking to, you know, other college football fans from across the country and other show hosts and whatnot. When they think of Oregon, they still associate, and it goes to how powerful the brand of, of Chip Kelly and the Ducks was, you know, 10 years ago at this time. They still associate with Oregon explosive, high-powered offenses that are going to go fast and score a bunch of points. They still inherently think that that's just an innate part of the university. And we all know that it hasn't been for the last several years because it's not the way that Mario Cristobal coaches football. You have a former offensive lineman as your head coach. That's going to be your identity. And Oregon was a very good rushing team, but they weren't always the most explosive. And they didn't throw it downfield quite as often. And that was just you know part of, of what they were. Some of it was scheme. Some of it was personnel limitations. Whatever you want to say, that's just the reality of how it's been recently for the Ducks. So what could be different when you have a defensive head coach? Because there could be staff changes in the next few years. In fact, there's likely to be. But with landing there, you expect the defense is going to be able to perform at a high level. That should be our expectation, right? Because if all else fails, the defense should be good. And if that's not the case, then we got a serious problem down here in Eugene. But what could or will be different than what it has been in the last couple of years? We could definitely see more low-scoring games. I mean, that is just a reality of the situation. If you know the, the, the head coach is focusing on the defensive side of the ball and he's able to put a lot of energy there and have a lot of success, then we might hold the other team to fewer points. But at the same time, if that leaves fewer coaches or not as much time at practice or however that stuff shapes out, and, and it does always kind of end up this way, defensive head coaches typically don't score as many points, but their defense typically is very, very good, depending on who your offensive coordinator is, right? I mean, to use an example, in the NFL, the Falcons had a good defense when Dan Quinn was their defensive coordinator, or their head coach and their defensive coordinator, but Kyle Shanahan was their offensive coordinator, and he's kind of the reason they got to the Super Bowl, right? So if you can have that sort of match, then you can be in, in really good shape. But we could see more low-scoring games. I'm hoping, and frankly, I expect, because this is what Dan Lanning is known for, that we can get to a point where we always feel confident putting the defense on the field, and that it's you know a, a surprise when the other team is inside their own 20 or you know we pin them deep inside their 10. And all of a sudden they're able to just march down the field and, and score. I want that to be a surprise. I expect that, you know, maybe not in year one, but by year two or three under Dan Lanning and, and this new staff that's coming in, I expect them to be able to, to give me that as, as a fan, right? Is any time, and I, I felt this years ago because I'm from the Pacific Northwest, shout out to 503. I'm a Seattle Seahawks fan, have been my whole life. So Many of you who are NFL fans might might remember the Pete Carroll led Legion of Boom teams, and yes, at the time I did do sort of a 180 on my opinion of Pete Carroll because I went from rooting against him every Saturday to rooting for him every Sunday, and that was a, that was a difficult transformation for me as a as a fan. But just don't worry, I'm I'm lukewarm on him at at best at this point. So the, when those Legion of Boom teams were in Seattle. They were an incredible defense. They had a great secondary and that's what everyone was known for. You know, that's what LOB was about, right? It was, you know, Richard Sherman, Cam Chancellor, Earl Thomas and whoever they put at that fourth corner or the fourth defensive back, the cornerback slot. Every time they were on the field, they had great pass rushers too. They had Bobby Wagner, KJ Wright, they had dudes everywhere. It was an insane defense. But every time the Seahawks punted and the ball went inside the 20, I felt they're not going to score. And most of the time, they did not. And I even felt sometimes because of the offense's limitations at the time, Russell Wilson was still really early in his career. I sometimes felt our defense was going to be the side of the ball that either scored before the offense or created the opportunity to score. And I think that's a really underrated part of defensively oriented teams, is this year, Oregon. Lost the field position battle. I I haven't done a deep dive into the analytics, but just off the top of my head, I I would be willing to bet that Oregon's field position this year was not one of the better ones in the Pac-12, or or really in the country. We were still able to score a lot of points, and that's because I think Joe Moorhead, as an offensive coordinator, is really, really smart. But typically, and I hope this is the case, defensively oriented teams, or defense-first teams, which is what we're in theory, going to become under Dan Lanning. They do special teams very well, too, because they kind of play off of one another when it comes to field position, right? And and it was just really bad for the Ducks this past season. I think it can get a lot better. I mean, there were two 99-yard drives at Ohio State, which is an incredible feat. It's fantastic. But how do you create an opportunity to have that obstacle to overcome which you don't want, right you don't want to have to go the length of the field on offense but how do you get there? the offense allows the other team to move you know at least beyond midfield or out near midfield regularly and then your special teams are not well coached enough to the point and, and they don't execute to, to to the level where they can prevent the team from pinning them inside their own five. And there were not a lot of good kick returns as well. There were, you know, a handful of penalties. Not too many on, on special teams, really. But it, it just makes life so much. Remember the game against Washington when we, for no reason, and it led to the safety, we just didn't put a punt returner back. We just didn't do that. It was mind-boggling. It still boggles my mind. We won that game And I'm still annoyed that 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 happened. And it makes life just so much tougher on your offense when you have to continuously move the ball down the field 80, 85, 90 yards in order to get into the end zone. And thankfully, Camden Lewis has taken leaps and bounds forward as a kicker to the point where we were able to rely on him for the most part this season. And I, I feel good with him as our place kicker going into 2022, which is great. But I think Oregon can be way better w- with regards to the field position. And if Dan Lanning's system as head coach is working, that's, that's a change that we are going to see because it, it, it has been a serious weakness over the last several years. And I think it's made life harder for the offense. Get to uh, a couple notable transfers within the Pac 12 that will impact the Ducks after I tell you that Bet Online. Wants to wish you a happy new betting year as we continue our march to the playoffs and beyond. It remains the number one spot for all the best sports wagering in 2022. It's a new year with a new updated desktop and mobile website. Sign up today. Receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code LOCKEDON to get started. They got sports, your favorite Vegas casino games, and all sorts of great offers available for 2022. Bet online, the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports. Bet online. Where the game starts. All right, so I've talked about the transfers that have left the Ducks, transfers that are coming to the Ducks, and you know, I, again, I really hope that Chase Cota comes to the Ducks. It just it makes so much sense. If you didn't listen to yesterday's pod, quick quick synopsis: productive four-star wide receiver out of South Medford High School in Oregon. His dad. Chad Cota played for the Ducks, I believe it was back in the 1980s, meaning Chase probably grew up going to games at Autzen. He's played the last few seasons at UCLA. He's got one year left. He could come in, bring a veteran presence to the wide receiver room. I would like that a lot. Hopefully that happens. Speaking of UCLA, their quarterback, Dorian Thompson-Robinson, is coming back. And I I watch a pretty good amount of UCLA football because I've said this before. I will continue to say it because it will always be true. I'm always going to root for Chip Kelly. And, you know, I, I didn't feel burned by him when he went to the NFL because the love that he helped instill in me for this football program is unlike anything else, frankly. And, you know, I'm not uh, going to watch a lot of Miami football. I won't be rooting for Miami football. I wasn't rooting for Florida State when Taggart went there. It's just, there's just nothing like that, and I, I will always root for Chip until he plays the Ducks, in which case, I want Oregon to win by, you know, 50 points, uh, I, I'm glad Chip got a contract extension, I think he deserved it, and it wasn't surprising, after, you know, the, the rumors around Oregon, you typically want to show a little bit of commitment to your head coach, who just got you bulletable for the first time since, like, 2014, they have been way, way down, and I think he's doing a good job, but DTR coming back, he he's kind of, he's a savior, in that offense, sometimes because he's just freakishly athletic, and he's not the thrower or anywhere near it—not uh, anywhere near the thrower of the football that Mariota was. But from an athleticism standpoint, Dorian Thompson Robinson is everything that Chip Kelly wants because he's mobile. He knows how to run. He's learned how to not take big hits, so uh, he wasn't hurt very often this past season. And he—he he is every bit as athletic as Mariota when you watch him. I mean, he is a really, really good athlete. And, you know, this is not great for the Ducks. I mean, we saw Ethan Garbers come in and really make some big-time throws. He converted a couple of fourth downs. They were moving down the field until that DJ James interception late in the game, which was huge <laughs> because Oregon almost blew a 17-point fourth-quarter lead. Another thing I hope Dan Landing and company can clean up in 2022. Just learn to put teams away so we don't have to have stressful fourth quarters. But, DTR coming back. I I think that this you know helps keep UCLA competitive, and they were an eight-win team this past season. Got a nice win against LSU, upset by uh, Fresno State at home. But they're a team that is going to score a lot of points. The defense doesn't scare me. I don't think their defensive coordinator is worthy of that title from what I have seen. He is just there's nothing about their defense that they do well. But Chip is always going to score points and. With DTR at the helm, who's got another year of experience under his belt, he's a good college quarterback. And that makes the game against UCLA at home this year on October 22nd more challenging. And I expect to see a lot of Noah Sewell spying DTR or Justin Flo spying DTR. I hope both are healthy at the time. And he's just a guy you have to watch out for. And it would be better for the Ducks if it was Ethan Garbers because he's not as experienced and he's not as athletic. Though he might be a better pure quarterback and thrower of the football than than D- Dorian Thompson Robinson, but you know he, he's a guy who knows the offense. They're going to have Zach Charbonnet back as well at running back. That uh, that's a team to to watch out for and organize to be careful even at home uh, against the Bruins because they're going to be able to score points. But that'll be one of those fun chess matches. Chip Kelly's offense, Dan Lanning's defense. That is going to be. Uh, some really, really exciting stuff to watch. Uh, another one, and this is where we'll uh, we'll end the week, is Jaden DeLora. And I was shocked to see him going to Arizona. I mean, props to Jed Fish, because they just had a one-win season, and somehow he, he's getting some dudes. I mean, they beat out Oregon for, uh, for Mac, the high school wide receiver recruit, and they get Jaden DeLora to come from Washington State. I, I can't believe the Cougars... Let it get to the point where he could leave because he's an effective Pac-12 quarterback. Now, the the thing about watching him play was he always looked like he had to work really hard to throw the ball. Like, he didn't have a lot of natural arm strength. You know, Herbert could sit back there and just flick it, and it went 50 yards down the field. DeLore looked like he had to wind up all the time and get it there, but guess what? It worked, and in college, that sort of stuff can work, and he was a good quarterback, and if we remember this past season, Washington State was right there in contention for the Pac-12 North title. And, you know, Oregon beat them at home, pulled away late, but the Cougars kept it close. And that, that was, you know, a game that, again, I was not able to, you know, kind of settle down, breathe a sigh of relief until, you know, late in, in the fourth quarter at Autzen Stadium. And we will see Jaden Delora again this year. When we go at Arizona on October eighth, the week after Washington State, but I'm a lot less scared of him as a player on the Wildcats, a rebuilding Arizona program, than I am on a Washington State team that you know has got some decent momentum, despite their loss in the bowl game Uh, after their 2021 season, where you know they hired their interim head coach and he seemed to be doing a nice job and they handled a lot of chaos up there. I mean, that's not nothing, right? They're kind of the Raiders. Of the Pac-12, a lot of chaos. Interim coach comes in and is able to stabilize things, and that's not a team that that you want to have to mess with. And if you had to tell me whether I'd rather play Washington State on the road this season with Jaden Delore at quarterback or with whoever they are going to be able to put in there, I would say I'll take the new guy and uh, and, and let him try his luck against Dan Lanning. With uh, l- let the Cougars try their luck against Dan Lanning, that is with with a less experienced quarterback and. One who I, I don't think is going to be as talented as as Delora. So, couple of guys that uh, that are on the move or staying, and I, I think that DTR makes life a little bit more difficult for Oregon. But I think Delora going to Arizona is is going to be a, a net positive. Uh, very very last thing of the week before I uh, before I get out of here. Twenty four seven Sports has a crystal ball predictor i I hope it's as correct as the magic eight ball we all had growing up or uh, magic meatball if you prefer for those of you iCarly fans out there right now the 24-7 sports crystal ball ball thinks he's going to oregon we'll have to wait until february when national signing day happens but if we're able to get that corner and there's been a lot of talk about him recruits or coaches have been recruiting him very very hard they were down at his house at midnight the day of the recruiting open. I showed that tidbit yesterday, which was awesome. But that would add depth at a position where we are losing two starters who are good players. DJ James, Mikhail Wright, those are good players. McHale Wright will get drafted. G- DJ James going to Auburn. Uh, I think that having more guys who can come in and compete and potentially be impact players at that position is a good thing. And they've got uh, Arizona, Boise State, USC, Michigan in the mix. If Harbaugh ends up leaving Michigan and goes to the pros, then um, our, our chances of getting Jaleel Florence could be really, really good. I appreciate everyone listening. Hope you have a safe and fun weekend. I will see you in your feeds Monday morning. Have a wonderful rest of your day, and go Ducks.